Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome back, everyone. I know this has been a pretty short break uh, that I've had uh, two podcasts this week, and uh, this is just its exciting for me because I love doing this. And today we have someone who is a colleague of mine at Teachers College, Columbia University, uh, and I'm excited to learn more, and I'm sure you are too, about her research and some of the things that we can learn about uh, what how uh, this younger generation is experiencing politics and how they choose to do political expression. So today's guest is an associate professor in the Communication, Media, and Learning Technologies Design Program at Teachers College and is the associate director of the Media and Social Change Lab. Uh, so please uh, welcome with me, Ioana Literat. So welcome, Ioana. Hi, thank you so much for having me. A pleasure to have you here. And so with so much going on, I don't even know where I want to start exactly uh, because there's so much happening in politics uh, all over the world, to be honest. But it's just, you know, the United States is a is a hotbed for news and and political activism at the moment. Um, but first, I'd love to hear you tell me a little bit about um, your your work at TC, uh, being the director, associate director of the Media and Social Change Lab. I, I really want to hear about that because there's so much that we're doing across the college that has to do with social justice and topics that impact society. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me about your work uh, at TC. Sure. So I'm a bit of an odd bird at Teachers College because my background is not in education and, and I wouldn't consider myself an educational researcher. My background is in communication um, and my, my disciplinary affiliation is probably internet studies, uh, which is a new and, and emergent field. And so I bring an interest in the informal learning practices of young people as they express themselves online and in the spaces where they feel comfortable. Think social media like TikTok and Instagram, think online communities like fan fiction sites or, or gaming communities. These are the places where young people feel at home among their peers, among their friends, whether these friends and peers are known to them or not. Um, and so it makes sense that these are also the places where they would talk about politics. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really where my research comes in, is that I'm trying to understand how they talk about politics and current events in these online spaces so that we can then uh, learn how to better support them as mm -hmm. thinkers, as voters, as activists, as participants in public life. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really glad that you mentioned how we can learn to support them. I, I remember uh, last year, uh, probably not this year, but a, a year in September, um, I went to visit a school in New York City. And that, mm -hmm. there was a principal who had devised this entire process for collecting phones at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. And it just went complete for me. It went completely overboard in trying to prevent children from having their phones. So we're talking about middle school age kids. Mm -hmm. And so we had an opportunity to talk. And I said, I, I just want to ask you a question. I said, given that 
these children spend, whether you like it or not, or whether we think it's healthy or not, that they spend the majority of their day on these phones, on these devices. It could be an iPad, it could be a watch, it could be their telephone. But they, they are using technology uh, in, in every aspect of their lives. Mm -hmm. And they come to school and we say, no, no, no technology, yeah. no, no phones. And I said, I'm just, and I'm not saying you're doing it the wrong way because I don't have the answer. But my question is, if this is the way they make sense of the world, mm -hmm. why would we say, don't do, don't bring that in here? And I mean, there are all kinds of ways that we say, I have had people challenge that and say, well, let's extrapolate that to include this. No, let's, let's just talk about the technology. But why would we exclude that? And I'm sure that's probably some of what you're studying too is the impact of this. Um, but but what do you think it is that is preventing us from embracing it in such a way where young people integrate what they do outside of school in in school? I'm so glad you said this, and we're very much in alignment in how how we think about this. Um, yes, in my view too, it's it's futile and it's kind of paternalistic, right, to try to keep kids uh, or young people off of social media. Um, so instead, the focus should be on giving them the tools to cope. And we can talk about what these tools might be. I also want to just make the point that it's not just young people that need these tools, right? Yes, that's um, right. The online environment right now is really challenging. It's it's complex and it's often, you know, you're going to be online, you're going to come across problematic content, problematic practices. There's a lot of dangers out there. So we're not yeah. trying to minimize that. Yeah. Uh, but the solution is not to try to keep young people away from those dangers, but rather give them and give all of us really the, the tools to become adept consumers and producers of information yes. online. Yes. Um, and so that's really where we're coming from with, with this research. And I think that this attitude um, is even more pronounced when it comes to politics, um, because the ideal image that we have of political expression is very much at odds with what's happening online. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, you know, what's your ideal of political talk? It's that old model of the informed citizen, right? Where political talk should be rational and detached and based on facts and, and rationality. Um, and when you look at, you know, a TikTok video about the election uh, or reproductive rights or Black Lives Matter or all the things that young people are posting about, it's anything but that, Yeah. right? It's personal, it's silly, um, it's full of emotion, whether that emotion is laughter or tears. Um, it's filtered through young people's experiences and the things that they care about. So it's really not, you know, objective and detached and rational. Yes. yes. And so that makes us discount it or look down upon it. Mm -hmm. um, and in my work, I've been trying to say, we shouldn't discount it or look down upon it. Mm -hmm. uh, we should value it for what it is, not to say that necessarily, you know, it's it's the right or best way to, to express yourselves around politics, but we first need to understand it in order to then assess it yes. normatively, if you will, by holding it up to this, you know, democratic standard that, yes. that we want it 
to adhere to. But first, we need to be open-minded and take it for what it is and understand it. Yes, yes. Uh, something you said uh, uh, really uh, struck me was about the idea that political expression or even just political discourse is rational and mm -hmm. void of, of emotion. And I think mm -hmm. that we're seeing a lot of that. There are some who would say, though, that, well, let, let's say you put all of that in and then you, you, but you have people that are, are going to be cynical about politics and the political process. How do we know that what they apply is the best reasoning? If, if, if everything is laughable mm -hmm. uh, and there are some matters that are serious, how do we then translate that into here's what's serious and this is why the not just the expression but the support or the disagreement with this topic or this uh this this position is important yeah that's a great question um i do think that young people have the the sense to know you know what should be talked about in serious terms and in what should not um but even if it is a really serious topic and let's say they talk about it in a silly way by doing some kind of, I don't know, seemingly silly TikTok challenge or dance or something like that. Um, I'm saying that it's still important because it resonates. Hmm. Um, and sometimes a silly artifact like that can be the beginning of a really important, significant, often serious conversation in the mm -hmm. comments. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe to... to um, back up a little bit and tell me tell you a little bit about my research because we jumped yeah. right into it but yes. i think um a little bit of framing in terms of my methods and my approach would be yeah. useful here so what i really do is i adopt a fly on the wall approach where i just for lack of a better word i lurk in these online spaces where okay. young people hang out yeah and i watch what they do when it comes to politics right and i look at both the post themselves like the videos the images the stuff they post but also the comments on these posts and exactly that's why I like to look at the comments because sometimes the posts might be really silly but then the comments are like whoa you know like they're they're learning about policy in the comments oh, sure. um, and sometimes the comments are civil and sometimes they're not we, we can mm -hmm. talk about that too um but I really enjoy this naturalistic kind of approach to the research because it allows me to understand what they do in an organic kind of bottom-up way when they don't know that they're being, you know, washed and researched and analyzed. Of course, it has its downsides too um, in terms of, for instance, I don't know exactly who is posting. I don't know exactly why they're posting. Like I don't have that insight into their, you know, uh, demographics and motivations and all that but I do think that that for for the kind of stuff that I'm researching the benefits um, outweigh the risks or the downsides and so I've been doing this kind of qualitative content analysis in a really wide range of online spaces both social media the social media that are most popular with youth uh, which today are TikTok and Instagram and YouTube um, but also in other creative spaces, 
like uh, fandom communities, digital okay. art communities, um, communities where young people don't come for politics, but end up talking about politics, which to me is really, really interesting. And actually, that's how I actually came into this research. Okay. Uh, my initial interest was in young people's online creative practices. Actually, even going back to my dissertation was about online art. I was always really interested in the digital creativity aspect. Mm -hmm. And then I was just spending time in this online creative community for young people. And around the 2016 election, in the lead after the 2016 election, which was, you know, really um, divisive um, and, and polarizing here, I noticed that these conversations that used to be about you know, fandom and creativity and like stuff that had nothing to do with politics, all of a sudden were turning really political. Uh, and conversations previous that were about, I don't know, Captain America and Marvel, <laughs> now all of a sudden it's like, who are your parents voting for? And what's going to happen if Trump gets elected? And what's going to happen to my civil rights? And what's going to happen to my friends? And will I get deported? Like these were the conversations that were really happening in these online spaces and they were really raw and heavy and meaningful and so it got me really interested in how these online non-political spaces mm -hmm. function as really important political uh, hubs for young people where they feel comfortable where they feel at home um including when it comes to talking about politics yes yes um well thank you for sharing that i uh, you mentioned um, TikTok and Instagram, I, I mm -hmm. have to say one of the places, and, and maybe I would have a very boring uh, algorithm if you looked at my, what I end up getting on, on TikTok. <laughs> I, I, I see a lot of really funny things, but there are things that I wouldn't have uh, known a lot uh, if I hadn't seen it on TikTok. And so sometimes I just do it because of the random or what appears to be somewhat yeah. random uh, way that I come across something. And I, I know a lot of people worry about uh, that because of the, the programming of these uh, algorithms that they yeah. worry about what kind of information you're going to get. And so serendipity isn't in that equation anymore, kind mm -hmm. of randomly. And I, I, I think it depends on the user, but I wanted to ask, what impact do you think that has on how they're engaging? Meaning when I say that, meaning the the algorithms that have been developed have mm -hmm. on their political um, discourse, their their expression. Um, if 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 I'm more likely, if I spend more time looking at a certain kind of post, mm -hmm. and I get more of that, is have you looked at or have you seen how that influences my continued belief in something, or or are, am I in, or is it overstated? Are, are those algorithms? Because I know a lot of the the political side from a legislative perspective, that's been the conversation is that kids and other, well, not even uh, young people that, that adults are being directed further down a rabbit hole just because they looked at one thing 
um, it's going. So how have you experienced that with, with how they're having discourse and expression? Yes, algorithms are really important for all social media platforms, but especially for TikTok. Um, in the case of TikTok, the algorithm is really a key draw um, to the platform and the algorithm is really strong, right? So all social media have some kind of algor algorithmic um, mechanism that is functioning behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But for TikTok, it's really strong and it's really good. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's an algorithm that is really really adept at knowing what kind of content you will like and what mm. kind of content will keep you engaged. So that's been a key part of the success of the platform, especially with, with younger demographics. Um, definitely, there's a lot of research that that shows that it, it makes viewpoints more extreme. It deepens polarization. Um, my concern is that we don't know how these algorithms operate. My concern is the opacity. Um, when they play such an important role in public life, yeah. yeah, right? And we have no idea what is going on behind the curtain. We have no idea what's going on. Um, it's really a black box and they want to keep it that way, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's a proprietary algorithm yeah. that is really the secret sauce to their success. So <laughs> Someone that knows be... somewhere though, right? Someone For knows. For sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, that is really concerning, right? Okay. That, that especially now with the elections coming up, you know, the TikTok algorithm can, you know, not exaggerating, like really shape the course of history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah to a certain extent. Yeah. So the fact that we have no idea how that's happening or to what extent that's happening is, is definitely concerning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, so you talked about creativity as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, what does, and, I, and I'm assuming you were talking about political creativity or just creativity in general um, that I know you told me where you started with it, looking at uh, artistic expression and, and, um, so tell me a little bit about uh, creativity in this in this world. Yeah, so for young people's political expression today, much of it revolves around creativity. Mm -hmm. um, and that's their way of voicing their political stances, right? It's through these creative uh, means. Mm -hmm. It's And especially platforms like TikTok, they have a particular language. And so when young people are talking about politics on these platforms, they're tapping into that language um, and and positioning themselves towards these topics in a quintessentially creative way. Um, and to us, it's really important. On the plus side, it can really deepen engagement. Right. It's, it's a means of expression that is really relatable to young people and to their peers. It's a means of engagement that really stimulates a lot of response and discussion. Um, it's also a means of engagement that can deepen agency, a sense of agency. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we've noticed that in many of the creative artifacts that young people um, create and, and share online, they really exercises in manifesting agency. Mm. For instance, around the 2016 election, these were some of the examples that, like I said, really got me interested in, in studying these more. The stuff that we were seeing that was posted online were a lot of games, 
um, games where you could literally be a participant in politics. Mm -hmm. So for instance, there's this platform, Scratch, which is a coding platform for, for kids where they learn to make simple games and animations. And you would be so surprised at the number and diversity of games where you were Trump or you were Hillary Clinton and you had to do this, you had to do that. Other games where you just had to like punch <laughs> Trump and that was the whole yeah. game. Yeah. And then getting kids talking about politics, again, maybe in, not all engagements sure, were, were sure. constructive, but they were getting kids interested in talking. Uh, a lot of them were about explaining how the electoral uh, process works. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we try to do that in, in civics class or in social studies. Mm -hmm. But part of, of my argument is that we like to think that it happens in the classroom or that it happens at the dinner table, but it actually happens online. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to deal with that and we need to understand that better. Uh, another example I can give you is just the blossoming of fan fiction about politics, where they're taking characters from you know, superhero movies or anime or yeah. all the popular culture stuff that they like and making it about politics. Mm. And that also to me is so interesting because it's exercising agency towards the political process, a political process that uh, shuts out young people, right? Because yeah. officially they're not able to vote. They're not able to participate formally in the political process. Mm -hmm. So they're finding all these other ways mm -hmm. of asserting their their agency and asserting their voice um through creativity sure in online spaces yeah well there i've been uh in rooms where there are conversations around around engagement particularly online mm -hmm. and it's fascinating that there are people who say things and, and i don't know if they really realize what they're saying but they'll say things yeah like, like the reason that they are against uh, children being exposed um, is because they learn they learn too many, and this is in other people's words, too many diverse positions. Mm -hmm. You know, and then go, but listen to yourself. Listen <laughs> to what you're saying here. Yeah. You're saying you're saying hearing about diverse positions is a is a negative thing is the way you're saying this and and so you'll have some that talk about well but they're not old enough it, mm -hmm. it, you know as the father of four girls I, it's amazing <laughs> what they know at very early ages you know that this is and and I've done research where I've asked children questions uh and and They've said things to me, like I, I think about this one focus group I did with a group of sixth graders, and I said, um, so um, uh, how do you feel about your teachers? And they, they talked a little bit about their teachers, and I said, um, one, one kid said, they're clueless. And I said, why do you say they're clueless? And, and he said, they don't have any idea of what really happens at this school like so the the child was aware of culture as adults perceive it and subculture that exists and um and so likewise in the political sphere i think we underestimate 
their real understanding of of political dynamics, um, yes. things like that. So is that consistent with what you found? Yes, we either underestimate it or we tokenize it, right? <laughs> In the discourse yeah. of the kids are all right, the kids will save us, um, which is also counterproductive. Yeah. And what I will also add is that young people are very aware of these adultist attitudes. They're aware of the dismissal. They're aware of the tokenizing or youth washing. Yeah. Um, and so they they really feel it in a way that is not productive for their own political socialization, right? It's not productive for inviting them as participants in the mm-hmm. public sphere. Mm-hmm. And we hope, um, you know, my, my co-researchers and I, we really hope that with the work that we're doing on a normative level, we're really trying to reframe our understanding of youth voice. Yeah. And we're trying to to kind of broaden um, acceptance and, and not only acceptance, but the valuing of mm-hmm. youth voice and taking yeah. it for what it is yeah. um, and not dismissing it and not looking down upon it. And we think, you know, that that's such an important kind of public act uh, more than just scholarship. Like we're really trying to uh, shift the thinking around this. Sure, sure. By foregrounding its complexity, foregrounding Mm -hmm. its richness, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I know we're almost out of time, if not over. Wow, it really went by quickly. Yeah, I know. I know. I I just have one final thing I want to ask you is, so in an ideal world, what would you like to see happening in schools uh, that, that, embrace this or or tailors it a certain way what would you like to see happening that that um contributes kind of positively to this idea of of political expression and and creativity wow that that's such a big question but such an important one um you know building on what i was saying earlier i really think that it must start with a with a stance of listening and curiosity mm-hmm. um, and really learning from young people mm-hmm. in terms of, of both the content and the form of, of their preferred expression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we look at what they're doing online, it gives us a lot of clues as to their hopes and dreams and you know that content part, what they care about and why but also what are the ways in which they like to express themselves, which are also the ways in which we can get to them and and Mm -hmm. get them to care about participating in in Mm -hmm. public life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, this stance of listening and curiosity is also a stance of respect. Like we were talking about earlier, like not devaluing their political voice, uh, but really thinking of them as, as, you know, the voters of tomorrow, the activists of tomorrow, um, and inviting them respectfully into these um, public conversations. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. So I know there's people that will want to know um, how can they follow you, support the work that you're doing? Uh, are there websites, podcasts, um, uh, social media handles that you are mm-hmm. engaged in that you could share? Because I, I know there are a lot of people that want to want to read more about your work. Are there are there any you want to share? 
Sure. Um, so if you want to find out more about my research, uh, you can go to my website, Um, I try to publish open access whenever possible. So most of my work is, is freely accessible online. Um, you'll also find a collection of my uh, press interviews and, and quotes that give give different um insights into my research mm -hmm. and for the research of my lab the media and social change lab mask lab for short uh, we invite you to go to masklab.org um, and if you're around new york city or or the tc campus please stay tuned we do a lot of uh, public facing events at mask lab um, and we're really open to students and faculty and those beyond um teachers college as well so um Excellent. please get in touch Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking time out of your day. I know uh, this is a busy time of year wrapping up the semester. Um, so um, just wishing you a happy new year, happy holidays, and uh, hope to see you around campus. But until thank then, you. Thank you so go much. well, stay well. Thank you for having me and happy holidays to all.